go down your own path and still taking those risks uh, because you never know where it could lead to. And you may have some rerouting um, and that's okay because it's still part of your journey and you can always go back. But if you don't take the risk, how are you gonna know? Welcome to the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Turk. Join me as we dive into the personal stories of some of the world's best hospitality professionals. We follow the journey of their ups, downs, and wild turns to find out what it truly takes to make it in the amazing world of hospitality. This episode is brought to you by our podcast partners at Real-Time Reservation. Their inventory management system is best in class for hotels and resorts to manage their non-room inventory. The web-based application allows for creative upselling of overnight and daytime visitors with add-ons and pre-planned packages. Hotel guests and non-guests can reserve cabanas, pool chairs, activities, amenities, excursions, events, day passes, and much more. The real-time reservation platform offers a fully integrated pre-arrival portal where guests are verified through the property management system. Guests can prepay for cabanas and activities through credit card integrations, which are then processed through point of sale. All of our listeners that might be interested in using real-time reservation are welcome to explore the demo at realtimereservation.com. Once again, that's realtimereservation.com. Welcome to another edition of the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. Today, I am very excited to have Stephanie Leisure on the show, the Chief Excellent Officer for First Rate Hospitality. Stephanie, I appreciate you joining me today. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Steve, for having me. Excited for our upcoming conversation we'll have today. Yeah, so we always begin. What was your first job in hospitality that made you fall in love with this industry? So my first job was actually 20 years ago, and it was a Ritz Kids camp counselor. So I was in high school, and I wanted to be an elementary school teacher, and I needed more experience working with children. Also, too, I was very active in high school of all the different activities that my parents were like, you need to get a job. Mm -hmm. And it was mostly being like, oh, you're going to go and be a host at, you know, Outback or Red Lobster. And I was like, nope, I'm going to the Ritz-Carlton because they pay the most and I can get my experience with children. Then I quickly realized I did not want to be with kids for eight hours a day. <laughs> well, side note, that was my first job in hotels too. I was the Lowe's Kids Camp counselor at the Lowe's South Beach. So there you go craziness it's such a small world but yeah so you you know you think you're going down one path and then you start off in the hotel and quickly fell in love with it and I obviously changed uh majors and was no longer going for an elementary school teacher <laughs> and did you work at that job through when you were studying school uh, so I was there for about a year because I still was under 18. So I still had a lot of limited restrictions. And then as soon as I turned 18, then I uh, moved over to food and beverage. And that's what's the nice thing about, 
you know, in the hotel industry is that you really are able to move into different departments after six months. You, some hotels have different uh, policies and restrictions, but really if you're like, hey, you know what, I like this, but I want to move and I want to experience something else, then you can just put in an internal transfer and being able to go and work in a, a different department and experience that. So that's what I was doing for a few years while I still was going to school is kind of working out in the different departments to finding out really where I liked the most, pretty much oh. created my own manager and training program. <laughs> I love it. I want to go back to the first job. So yes. Kids Club, did you have to go through orientation at Ritz-Carlton? Yes. Do you yeah. remember that going through oh, your yeah. first orientation? What oh, was that yeah. like as someone in high school? I was, that's a different way to it's, look at it. Yeah, it was crazy. It was an, almost nerve wracking because here you are in, you know, young in high school, and then you're having people that are 30, 40 years older than you or 20 years older. And here you're just like, oh, I'm, you know, working part time uh, on the weekends and at nights. And so it's definitely nerve wracking. But then also to looking back at it, it really set a great foundation of work ethic as well because they if you were running late or if you're calling off you still were set at the same expectations as everyone else in the hotel and so realizing that you know yeah maybe i wanted to come in late because i wanted to go to the beach with my friends yeah. that wasn't gonna fly <laughs> at the ritz <laughs> so always putting work first and making sure that um getting the job done and now that Ritz Carlton Naples, right? Yes. Just make yeah. sure I set the scene. All right. Beautiful <laughs> place. All right. So you go through, you set your own manager, you know, in training rotation. And then, you know, just kind of looking back, you started in the front office. Is that yeah. kind of where you yeah. started the real journey? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I left uh, Ritz Kids as soon as I uh, was able to and went over to the food and beverage. You know, when you're still in uh, school, you want that fast cash. Uh, and so was learning the, the ropes on the food and beverage side um, and did that for pretty much about a, a year through the uh, being a hostess, server assistant and serving. Nice. Um, and then that's really after that wanted to go in the hotel uh, and working at the, the front desk and really learning, you know, the beginning, being on the forefront of the guest journey. So that was a little bit of a pay cut, right? Server to front yeah. office. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did you make that decision? Was it just like, I know I have to, or was it someone talked to you to do it? Yeah, definitely mentoring um, with the leaders uh, in the hotel, you know, discussing of saying, I do not want to be a server for the rest of my life. I'm here on this journey to seeing how I can get into management quickly and uh, also to making sure that I'm still surrounded with the, the different background of standards that I need to, to know. And so with that, this discussing with my managers and then also to, of course, waiting until after season. So it was a slow season that I made the transition yeah, <laughs> knowing that pay cut was coming and through all of that, that's then when it was like, okay, now I'm going into uh, front office and, you know, going and taking the next step, step of learning about customer service and hotels. I love it. Then you kind of grew through there, right? You started to yeah. move up. So give me give me a kind of like the 
the, the points that you like in there as you can yeah. before you go to New York, right? Because I know you make that jump to New York. So before you do that, how did that go? Yeah, so here I am now, a front office agent, quickly became the uh, trainer. Uh, so any of the new hires that would be coming on, I would then be the one training the front desk agents. At this time, too, I'm about uh, 18, 19, so I'm now into college. And I uh, stayed there for a few years and grew all the way up to being the uh, assistant manager and especially too in the evening time here it was where i was actually the manager on duty the time i was 21. Wow. uh so yeah so <laughs> the guest was complaining it was me that they had to speak <laughs> to but yeah. you know it also too says a lot that here it is the executives had enough faith in me of knowing that I can get the job done at nighttime when we're working with the skeleton crew. And this wasn't overnight. This was the two to 11. It's busy. Yeah, exactly. And so being the one that if there was a guest uh, complaining or if all of a sudden now we're um, selling out quickly and making sure that the hotel is running smoothly, uh, so then I'm doing the pass on to the overnight and then also to into the morning. So that was a huge accomplishment of so young and becoming in charge so quickly yeah. while still going to to school. That's awesome. So for the listeners who can't see this, you know, <laughs> Stephanie looks very young. Yeah, we both look very young, but yeah. Stephanie looks young. So I can only imagine at... 21 at the front desk at the Naples Ritz Carlton, one of the <laughs> premier Ritz Carlton's. And let me know if this happened because it's happened to me where they'll say, I need to talk to your boss. Yes. I need to talk to someone who's hit puberty was what somebody told yeah. me. <laughs> Did that happen to you ever as you're at the front desk? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then sometimes too, you you know, we would just play, play the game really. So then we would just be like, okay, you know what? Because we want to make sure that the guest is just taken care of. Of their mind because if they just will start going on the different roller coaster that they usually will go on of oh yeah. i want to speak to this person and that person so then we would just work it where it'd be like the lobby lounge manager and be like here here's someone else that's in leadership that you can be able to talk to and then obviously that person's going to be talking to me to making sure that whatever we need to do maybe we need right. to meet the guest or maybe uh they are unhappy with the uh, something that's uh, going on in the restaurant or elsewhere on the resort. So we also too, as a team that the team, the managers knew that I was capable of getting it done. However, there was a perception, you know, of a young female too. And so then we would just play the game and then we would just utilize the other managers. And at the end of the day, get the, you're making the decision there. anyway. I love that. That's the best part is that people don't know. It's like, all right, I'll let you vent over there, but I'm still the one making a decision for you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. All right. So you continue yeah. on. So give me how we continue to happen to New York. Yeah. So then um, here it's about also to like year wise too. So this is now in 2008. So this was also to a critical year in the hospitality uh, industry, but then also to in my journey. So I had the opportunity to transfer to the Ritz-Carlton Battery Park. I grew up in Naples, loved it, but I just knew, especially being in the hotel industry now for a few years, that there was much more out there. And that's what's great about the hotel industry too, is that 
you don't have to be stuck in one city or one area. If you have the capability of being able to transfer to another property, it can be done. And so that for me, I um, wanted to move to New York City. And they say, especially coming from Florida, you're either going to like it or you're going to hate it. And yep. I loved it. Awesome. Um, but so yeah. Naples, Naples, small. So we're saying small town, yeah. smaller yeah. town in Florida. Yeah. Everything closes at like nine o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> right. I remember the first time I visited visiting from Miami, it was we arrived at like 930. We couldn't get dinner anywhere. So very different. You go to yeah. New York. Was your yeah. family supportive or was it tough talks like you're going to leave us? Tough talks. And and that's also, too, you know, going from a large resort to a business hotel, too. So here you're, you know, the dynamic is very different. So um, had the opportunity doing all of the interviewing and then finally decide to tell my family uh, that I'm moving to New York City. And it was crushing to them um, at the moment. And, you know, they were still supportive. They're like, we're going to support you no matter what you do. But we think that you're making a bad decision of going to New York City. You're already the uh, PMMOD. You have a lot of potential to move up quickly with this resort. But I was like, no, if I stay here, then I'm going to become complacent because I'm going, I know everything and I knew it so young and I wanted that challenge as well uh too and so that's why i was like i'm moving and so they were supportive but not happily supportive uh, what about um, your managers uh my managers they were supportive as well but they knew that they're missing a very valuable employee right. and it's crazy now i mean 15 years later i'm still very close to many of uh the managers that knew me when I was still in my teens to where I am now in my career, which we'll get to. But, you know, it's always rewarding when I see them and hear, you know, from them of being like, I remember back in the day. <laughs> I love that about big resorts, like especially iconic resorts, the people yeah. stay there forever. So it's like you can always go back and find the people that were on your team. Yes. And I think that was also too, you know, as we get more into the, my journey and stuff is that I always wasn't afraid to take the leap, knowing that I could always go back if I, you know, if things didn't work out or if I thought it was different and or, you know, something else happened, that I needed to come back, knowing that I could always go back no matter what. That's true. All right. So now back on your journey, you arrive in, in New York, big city. Yes. yes. Union. Very strong union. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And here it was, so I, um, first job was now housekeeping manager. But Naples um, was not a union hotel, right? Correct. Right. So, which I've never worked in a union hotel. So I'm interested to hear this part of this transition. Yeah. So here I moved to New York City as the housekeeping manager for Ritz-Carlton Battery Park. So in the downtown uh, area and a union property so for those that never worked in the union property, there's a lot of more rules and regulations that are there. And employees basically will tell you that's not my job. And they're allowed to. It's crazy. So give me that first example when that happened. You'll probably ask someone to do something and they're like, Stephanie, take a hike. Yeah. Uh, it was for a room attendant delivering pillows and a uh, guest had requested extra pillows and the room attendant was right there. Instead of calling the houseman uh, to do it, it was going to be faster for the room attendant 
And she basically told me that's not my job. <laughs> then I had another situation where, you know, in hospitality, we're all about wanting to take care of the guests. And here I see a guest that in the lobby struggling with their luggage. So I just automatically go over to help them. And then basically the bellman told me that I was taking his job. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, it's definitely a different atmosphere when you're accustomed to customer service, everyone taking each other. But then at the same time, you know, the union, they do have certain rules and restrictions to making sure that they're protected as well. And not saying every employee is like that. But you just, you know, you learn how to work with everyone's different personality. <laughs> Very well said. You learn to play the other game, right? So, you know, the, the yeah. guest game, now you get the employee side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then because also, too, they're just now knowing who I am. They just see, you know, this, this female from Florida, uh, not a New Yorker. And, you know, then they start seeing that, yeah, I do have a backbone, but then also, too, I'm here to help them as well. So I, being in housekeeping, I'd be up there helping them if it was a tight turn or a lot of, you know, rooms with the uh, needing to get the room ready, being up there with them and working with them. And I, building that relationship also to help not avoid a lot of those other comments with the union. You made a big switch, right? Because you had yeah. been a food and beverage, you went to front desk, which is all front facing, and then you switched yeah. to housekeeping. Yes. And you hadn't done it before, right? Maybe no. like, right? So what was that like when you first got there? It, um, so I was fortunate where it was mostly in the evening. So I was turned down service. Okay. Uh, but then also too, we were dealing with all those complaints of like, oh, I didn't get service all day. And did you have your DND sign on? <laughs> Uh, but we're here to take care of the guests and making sure that we're getting it done. And so it was very uh, different of the demand. And also, too, now having front desk being the ones that are uh, going to you and being like, hey, we need this room ready. This guest just checked out. We're going to flip it and we're going to sell it again tonight. Or especially being in iconic New York City, a lot of high-end clientele booking last minute and being like, so-and-so A-lister is coming in now. We need to make sure that their room is ready in 10 minutes, basically. Get it done, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, get it done. <laughs> I could hear those happening. So oh, yes. you're in housekeeping. You've been doing it, but you seem to move up pretty quick. They like you there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah but so, well, and this is also, too, where it was definitely a, a decision maker in my career. So how I mentioned, it's 2008. So this is when the economy, you know, crashed. And especially for us in downtown New York City, we're less than 10 blocks away from Wall Street. So we really uh, saw the effects of the, the market crashing. And with that, I had to be placed on layoff. I had lived in New York City for about four, almost five months when this was all going on. And so there were saying since you know i was the newest one in i was the first one out mm -hmm. uh but i you know was still having conversations with back in naples because saying okay is this i tried it it's not going to work do i need to come back but then also too of having conversations with new york of being like hey 
I'll take a different position just so I can still be working and keeping with my loyalty to to Ritz Carlton. So it's definitely a you know an interesting time and a lot of decision making that needed to be done. But then also too, it was great of having that communication with my leaders and with also two other colleagues of being like, what are you going through? And, you know, what, what would you do if you were in my shoes? Yeah, Cause a lot of people won't make a change to say, this is what I do and I'm not going to switch roles. Yeah. And right. I really wanted to succeed in New York. I, the few months that I was there prior to this happening, I really loved it. I was making some great friends. I was learning just so much about like culture and diversity and, New York City. And so that's when I was like, hey, I'll just go back to being a front desk agent. That's where they needed a assistance. And so I took that role just until knowing that there was light at the end of the tunnel. Wow. So I didn't know that part of the story. So you yeah. left being, that's a tough choice, right? So yeah. going from manager to front desk, just to show I'm going to yeah. make it here. Yes. Exactly, exactly. And I didn't want to go and work for any other brand. Um, also, too, every hotel in the city was pretty much going through the, the same thing. Um, and, you know, still getting my bearings with the, the whole union. So I, you know, I knew the employees now, and they knew me. So if I was to go to a different hotel, it would just be, you know, starting those relationships right up at ground zero. So when you went to front desk, was there a union at the front desk? Yeah, uh, we were not, the agents themselves were not uh, union. So that was that been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, tell me how you get back on track then. So you're in front desk. Yeah. What? So now I'm in front desk. And then after that, I did that for a little bit uh, longer than I thought. I think I was there for about maybe a year. And then there was an opportunity for reservations. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, I kind of want this, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five. Nice one, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then also to now experiencing a different part uh, with reservations. And so then I went and transferred over. So now I was the group reservations coordinator. So any groups that were coming into the hotel, I was the one that was working with the meeting planners and getting all of the reservations uh, in the system, making sure any special preferences, who's VIP, who's going to the master, all that billing. And so, which was great because with my background now in housekeeping, now at the front desk is being able to knowing, okay, who needs to know what in order to making sure that the information is sent out clearly and that the guest is having a, a seamless stay when they're part of the group. And you sought out that job, right? No one came yeah. to you saying, hey, do you want this job? They no. would have left you at front desk for- Oh, yeah. <laughs> I probably there. still would have been there. <laughs> right. That's the key, right? I always tell people, no yeah. one's going to give you a job. Go get the job that you want to go get. No, no. And also, too, I feel that when they're asking, it's, a you know, that- uh, is it, are they asking, you know, more for a benefit for themselves or is it more for a benefit of you? And you got to also, you know, always look into that. You're like, wow, someone actually cares. They're asking me if I want to be part of this, but really look into all of it to making sure that it's right for you. That's true. Now I've interviewed several Ritz Carlton people and I've had them on this podcast. Do you still have your credo card? Yes. 
Oh, yeah. Amazing. It is amazing. All of you <laughs> have it. The original, the OG one, when we had 20 basics. Wow. <laughs> See, it's amazing. I love, part of me, I say it, I'm slightly jealous because I never worked at Ritz Carlton, um, but I love the culture that you are all a part of because all of you bleed it. I've talked to yeah. GMs from different, from other luxury brands and they still have it in their wallet. And it yeah. makes me a smile and a laugh every time. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Horse Schultz being the team, you guys did a great job yeah. doing what you do. But like most, you didn't stick with Ritz Carlton the whole time. You no. So what happened? So then I actually transferred over to the Trump Hotel. It was a new hotel in Soho area of New York City that was opening up. And in New York City, it's a, you know, and also too in a lot of major cities, if a GM is moving over to that property and taking over, they're usually taking over their team <laughs> as well. And so that's pretty much what had happened is that uh, I knew the GM that was going to be taking over the property. And he was bringing over a lot of the same team members that I was with. And so then they had a opening where they needed a uh, director of quality, training manager. And so I went for it and said, hey, I'll be the one that trains all of your staff. You already know me. And then also too, of knowing my background of knowing hands-on of housekeeping, front desk, food and beverage, I'll be able to train all of those standards. And also too, this is right when the Trump Hotel's brand was creating this collection. So they were still a young brand of, you know, creating their own standards. And obviously we're going to implement a lot of what works, you know, of Ritz Carlton, why reinvent the wheel? Right. And so with that, then I became uh, their training manager and training all of the staff and onboarding and doing orientation, which was great because I was now that first uh, contact with the employee instead of that first contact with the guest. I love it. So <laughs> you're there. I, I work for Trump hotels too. Great brand, you know, outside all the crazy politics anyone can say, but great brand to work in hotels. Yes. But then you make a little bit of a U-turn into something else. So you get your training going and then you go and start yes. working with the Forbes travel guide. And this is what I was very excited to talk to you about. So how does that happen? Yes. Well, cause it, you know, as you can see, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go for that. And we've all were, you know, always said, oh, it would be so cool to work for Forbes, you know, right when you're getting that report and you're like, oh, that must be the life just to being able to to audit. Yeah. So for <laughs> listeners out there, if you have been through a Forbes training, they come, mm -hmm. there's these people who come and tell you about the standards and that's how you get your stars and everyone shoots for the five stars. That's the best rating. Yes. And so for me, and then I'm going to let you come back in, Stephanie, I would have these Forbes trainers come and audit us and go to the restaurant and the spa and the room and like, man, have like the best vacation in my eyes. I'm like, and then we would get dinged on some things and have to create a hundred reports on how we're going to get better yeah. uh, because of this Forbes traveler enjoying their vacation. So in my <laughs> head, I was like, man, what, what a dream. Yeah. So and I don't think it's like that, but let no. me ask Stephanie here. Let's yeah. find out. Yeah. So I was with the Trump Hotels and we were a client of Forbes Travel Guide. So I right. built a great relationship with our contact uh, there. And I had, um, I wanted to go to the West Coast too, because I felt at the time I was like, okay, I've seen everything in New York now going over to 
Napa Valley. But I was like, if I'm going to keep going to all these cities, I don't want to start from the bottom up. And I really want to work for Forbes Travel Guide because it just seems like the coolest job. Yes. So at the, this was now in uh, 2012. So I'm about 23, 24 uh, at the time. And I basically told them that they're going to hire me. I had that mentality instead of saying, hey, are you hiring? Are you looking for people? I was just like, no, I'm joining your team. Yeah. <laughs> so and also, too, of you know, when it came to the standards, there's a lot of training in Forbes Travel Guide to making sure that you as the inspector understand, but then also too, a lot of it's implemented automatically in luxury hotels. Right. So I got the job and I moved to Napa Valley and I was traveling all over the US, uh, Hong Kong and Macau and to being able to just check into a hotel normally uh, like everyone else and going into the different departments and being able to then say did they hit the standard or do they need to improve the standard and what was you know two things were unique because one is i was still a, a young female that was checking in so at the time, that was still when you thought it was going to be like an elderly couple that would most likely be the inspector. And then here I am being like, oh, you don't care, you know, if it provided me that uh, attention, well, fail on, on timeliness of service. <laughs> All Stephanie's hotels are three star out. Done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so... Um, so that was one side that was very unique and which worked out well into really seeing is the service consistent, no matter what the age or demographic is, you know, are they, is the staff really able to provide that same consistent service? The other part of it is I was one of the first that had a hotel operations background too. So it, I understood that, okay, they missed, um, filling up my water in a timeliness. However, this and this was going on to really building the different scenario. Obviously they missed it, but this is what the staff was doing. And so that was also too, which I think was great for the clients to being able to see on their report of seeing it from an operations viewpoint of being like, okay, they at least did this, this, and this. Right. And so when you're doing it though, <laughs> You're in Napa. You, why Napa Valley? Is that where they're based? I don't know that. Or is that just? No, where you want to go? I just wanted to live out there. <laughs> right. Well, good. That's a great place to be, right? I don't. I've never lived there. I've visited many times, but I always thought maybe too small for me. But yeah. you're in with Forbes now, right? So you're traveling yeah. around. Is there something you did not like about it, or was it all like what I thought it to be? Like you just get to travel the world in the best places, and you fill out a couple of reports, and that's it. Yeah. So it's very different. So you, you know, you're on their schedule. Uh, so sometimes you may only have two assignments, maybe you have three assignments, maybe you're in, you know, the middle of Louisiana, maybe you're in the mountains in Colorado, you never knew where or what you were going to be. And then you're also too, you're the one that's really having to forefront all the funds in the beginning, because you can't have a business credit card that says, Forbes travel guy. <laughs> mm. 
I mean, that wouldn't just make sense. Right. That wouldn't work. Uh, so that, you know, is definitely a learning experience, you know, how the backside now, how all of that uh, works. And then also, too, of, you know, not getting caught either. Um, because you're, you know, don't want to say something because everyone knows that if you're saying, oh, um, table for one, and I want to be in the restaurant when most people just go sing solo travelers, just go to the bar and the hostess is like, oh, it's going to be an hour. Wait. Oh, that's fine. I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. like, hmm, keep an eye on this one. Yeah, exactly. So those, you know, were times when it was like nerve wracking and being like, oh, wait, you know, I really want to give this, the property a, a great report and I don't want to get caught either. Um, and then they're just going through the motions just, you know, to get their five star rating. Uh, and you're on the road a lot by yourself. So uh, you're not able to say, okay, I want to do, you know, happy hour with my friends next Tuesday, next Tuesday, I could be on the other side of the world, which was cool. It was great. But if you're really wanting to, you know, having that, uh, schedule, that's not going to happen. And then, you know, who do you talk to? You can't talk to the, like the hotel staff at the bar of saying, oh yeah, I'm here for inspecting. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for business. Yeah, but that was also too, which was cool because I made up some crazy stories um, and just there, I'm sure the staff was like, oh, this little girl. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you had your fun, it sounded like, but what made you want yeah. to transition back to operations? There's two different worlds, yeah. right? One yeah. checking in around the world on whatever schedule they give you almost sound like a secret eye, I guess he's a yeah. spy, right? Like a, a spy traveling the world. What made yeah. you transition back? Cause you went back to a familiar place. Yeah. So that, and I did it. So it's also to based on a contract as well. So I didn't renew my one year contract. I can say that I, I did it, but it was something that I knew I didn't foresee myself doing, you know, three, five, 10 years from, from now. And uh, so then I was like, you know, I really want to go back to New York City. I'm definitely not a West Coast person. I like to be in the current times that like the first time zone, fast pace. Uh, the West Coast is a little too slow and three hours behind. <laughs> yeah. I think about that. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I have some great friends uh, in New York. I want to go back to Ritz Carlton. And they had a uh, housekeeping uh, manager position. And it was great because also, too, technically, you know, it's, it's going from like Forbes to a hotel, but it was to a brand that you know, they, I've been with in the past, so it wasn't like I was, you know, doing anything and helping them with what you know, their ratings. And so from there, I went to housekeeping because uh, I still wanted to develop more with that uh, background. And it was great to now being at the Ritz-Carlton Central Park, which is also to one of the flagship uh, properties for, for the brand. And yeah, and then being able to um, help those employees and being able to elevate the the housekeeping team too, because they were also too in a, a spot where they were going through transition 
in uh, leadership and in the department. And so it was a great timing to be right there in the beginning and being part of it to where it is today. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. So you then make another change, right? <laughs> so you're Ritz Carlton, then you go back to another familiar place. <laughs> and then right? I was like, yeah. <laughs> then I was like, I'm going to go back to reservations. <laughs> yeah, the nine to five. Yes, yes. And so then from there, I was going back to reservations. And they were also to, uh, doing a structure change as well. So now they were doing instead of just for one property or working for both properties uh, of New York, which was pretty cool. And it was crazy is because then when I um, came back, it was actually when Hurricane Sandy had happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. And coming from Florida, I was like, okay, no matter what, when a hurricane comes, you volunteer and you work so you can get all the overtime <laughs> and get to stay at the hotel. <laughs> I was one of those crew too. Yes. And so, and it's crazy is because at the time I was living in um, the lower part of Manhattan and because of Hurricane Sandy, uh, my neighborhood had no power. So when anyone asked, you know, where were you during Hurricane Sandy? I was like, oh, I was at the Ritz. It's <laughs> yeah, a Ritz Central Park. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. But it was definitely crazy. You know, you're working crazy hours. So when I was doing the reservations, we were still having um, to relocate everyone from Battery Park into Central Park or to a different hotel. We also at the time was having the New York Marathon was supposed to happen. So there was a lot of group uh, changes that were going on, cancellations, rebookings, a, a lot of things up in the air. And then also too, a lot of the other team members, you know, lived in Jersey or lived outside of Manhattan and they couldn't even get to the property. So I was basically like the little brain for everyone in the sales and reservations and also too in operations to making sure being like, okay, this is what's happening. This is who's calling the hotel. Um, and then thinking, okay, are we going to be like this for about two to three days? No, we were pretty much like this for about a week, which is, you know, a very long, long time. time. Yeah. It was, it was nuts. And then we had a snowstorm right after. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. See, you see New York city, you got all the action. Yes. Yes. But, but now you jump back over to Trump hotels. So I love seeing that. So you're, you're very dedicated to the two brands that you <laughs> you worked with and you went into trading and as a and quality director, right? So yeah. yes. did the Forbes help you with that? I'm sure that was something on the resume people like seeing like, Oh, she actually worked at Forbes or did that not help? It did help a little bit, but I would mm -hmm. say it's all about the connections of people, you know? So once again, another Ritz Carlton, uh, leader, uh, GM was moving over to, uh, this property now as the Trump central park property. And so then of course I decided to tag along and being like, oh, I'll take that, uh, position. And, you know, and also too, that's really when I enjoyed it, it was when I was doing the training, when I had my hands on in the different departments, um, and being able to say, okay, here, we're having challenges at front desk. Okay. Let's work on this. Oh, tomorrow we're having challenges at housekeeping. Let's work on this. And so that's really when I was like, I really feel now I'm at where I need to be of working with all the different, uh, departments. And then also to, of, you know, pushing the hotel to maintain all the high accolades also. 
No, I love that. You know, and I tell this to people because there's a lot of people who don't want to leave a city, but it's yeah. really hard to grow in that same building or that same hotel company if you don't leave. And so I, yeah. I always said I was loyal to people and worked at some great places. But like you and I, if you look at our resumes, we're like, wow, this person is going all over the place. But really, we were following people that were we trusted and were yes. our mentors. And, yes. you know, I tell Absolutely. people, don't worry about that too much. As long as your story matches up, <laughs> you won't freak out too much about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? It's okay, you know, because I always looked at it also, too, when I was getting older on my resume. If now, okay, does it look like she's jumping around too too much or what's her path or her, you know, end game or where does she see herself? But for me, it was always communicating to, to the leader. So whoever was interviewing and being like, the reason I did this is because I need this. And the reason why we're here of me in the interview is because of my background of this, this, and this. And so that was one thing, you know, I was always kind of worried about, but then I was just like, no, I needed this background to be to where I am to even, you know, be a, a potential candidate for whatever position it was. That's true. And then you make a, a change. So similar to what I did. So I was actually at the Trump hotel. So I'm gonna tell you, my, you may not know this. I was at Trump National Doral and we turned that into a beautiful property. And we were using a bunch of staffing companies. I was like, man, I really think I could run my own business better than these guys. And we're writing giant checks. I'm going to start my own staffing company, which I ran for four years. And I tell people I built a company I ended up hating because it got so big. Uh, it was like 700 employees and I had to collect money and pay people and people didn't show up. And it was super stressful 24 hours a day. Yes. Uh, but yeah. you jump into the staffing world. Yeah. Right? And yes. that's a big change for a lot of people. So why did you do it? It was through connections. So here I am now, three years later in New York again. And I was like, okay, now I really think I've done everything on my checklist of experiencing the city, uh, my networking, and also two of the uh, the hotel. So I felt like I needed to leave uh, to experience a new hotel, leave to experience a new city but like where do you go from new york city at a five star five diamond property and i um got introduced through a connection to join the staffing agency crazy story is right at this time when i'm thinking of being like okay what's going to be my next step in my career this was also too right when uh the yachting industry was becoming very popular due to tv shows yes. and i was like oh i can do this on a boat <laughs> in the mediterranean <laughs> this is amazing it's just exactly what i would be doing in the hotel and so i had uh all my classes everything getting ready to uh, go down to Fort Lauderdale to get certified and now go over to the Mediterranean to be on a yacht. And about three days before I'm leaving New York City, a friend calls me and says, hey, we have a position with a staffing agency and you would be traveling all over to the different accounts on training their staff. And I was like, I think this is a sign to saying that I should not go in the yachting industry and I should stick with the hotels and take this position because now I can know and take my knowledge of knowing now how the staffing side works and how you are a vendor of the hotel too. And then, mm -hmm. Yeah, and then to get to travel to then being like, okay, where do I want to travel to next of, or of living? Where do I want to put my roots down? Considering 
fast forward, it took me about four years to figure that out. And I lived literally out of my suitcase, going from account to account, didn't have an apartment, and really got to see the, the country, got to see different cities on how the, the staffing in the hotel is much different than another city. Um, and it, yeah, it was pretty cool. And then when I was on my time off, my bags were already packed. So I would go see friends or just go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's amazing. So just around the country out of your suitcase. Some people find that challenge, but you found the, the joy in it. Yeah, I really, uh, enjoyed it, but then you just get, yeah, you get to a moment that you're like, okay, I'm ready to start going back to like having roots, uh, somewhere, but yeah, the, you know, being with the staffing agency, it's very, it's very different. Cause like I said, you're an outside vendor, but now how can you build the trust with the hotel that has no clue who you are? They're only seeing, you know, the performance of the employees, um, at the hotel. And now how can you win over the, the hotel? And then also to those employees that are only seeing you a few days before you're back on a plane, going to another account. So you leave here. You, I want to get to this point because you now become a business owner, right? Yes. A lot of people, that's a scary thought process, right? Because you've worked for a company, you work for a hotel, you work for these places that take care of you. What was that itch, right? Because I, I remember mine, which I started the staffing company, wrong business, now started again, the right business. But for you, what was that itch? What happened? I was, I wanted to be in control of my traveling, of my schedule. And then also too, with all of these connections throughout the years, even from when I was, you know, starting at Ritz-Carlton 17, I had a great networking base and they were always knowing what I was doing or what I've been working on. And it got to the point where they would be reaching out and saying, hey, on your time off, since you're already in our city, don't you think you could come and train our staff a little? Or, hey, we're in a little transition. Do you think you could be able to um, kind of look at how our departments run? What do you think we could be able to do differently? And with that, that's when I was like, wow, I really think I can make a, a business out of this and I can now be the one in charge of saying oh sorry we can't we're already fully committed during this week or <laughs> <laughs> I need to be in this area we're only taking uh the projects right now for for here um and me then being able to you know have back a, a normal somewhat normal life in the hospitality uh industry and once again, I was like, hey, I'm going to try it. If it doesn't work, it may only work for about three months right now while I'm having this demand. Um, but if it doesn't, I know I can always go back to somewhere, some city, and then figure out how I can reinvent myself to the next thing. But here we are five years later and still business owner of First Rate Hospitality. Yeah, so I like that beginning part. So did you have a client lined up already, like one of your former mm -hmm. friends or colleagues that kind of sorry, I'll pay you to do this and you just yeah. created the company around that yeah and a lot of it started off with the ratings and mystery shopping for luxury service standards and so and that's how I also too came up with my name with a uh, first rate hospitality is so first rate rating first before um, you have your brand standard or any of the other accolades and then also too first rate meaning the best of the best 
And that's really when I was seeing more of the demand was needing to making sure that, okay, if we were to be inspected tomorrow, this is where it would be. Or where is the inconsistencies that is happening? And so then coming in, and that's really when I was like, wow, you're really going to pay me for this? Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's we know that those pricing of the high corporations is very high. One day I'm going to be there soon, but in the meantime, it's like, okay, I know someone that, you know, I can trust. I know they're going to get the job done. I know the background. So the quality of work is going to be there. And then also too, from, you know, a financial standpoint, it's better to having this person come in, be, work out all the kinks before now having to pay a lot of money for someone else uh, to come in and give the awards or whatever it may be. So you started with secret shopping, right? Yes. And going back to your Forbes days and creating yeah. crazy stories at the bar. <laughs> and what has that evolved into now? So now uh, training. Um, so creating customized training uh, solutions for the property, whether it be in different departments, uh, just in general of service standard departments, also to working with uh, business development for uh, outside vendors that are trying to get into the hospitality industry and really pairing them and connecting them with the right properties based upon what their uh, product or, or service is. Um, and there's just and customized consulting as well as saying, hey, you know, this is our problem. What can you be able to do to, to fix it and making sure that we're able to elevate our service for our guests? I love it. And now you're also a partner in another venture, right? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. How did that evolve? So you have first rate and now you've got? And now also too with Breakthrough Service. So Breakthrough Service, we're doing a lot of consulting internationally and working with boutique properties to elevate their service and uh, doing mystery shopping so then once they're ready to take their property to the next step, they understand more of what is uh, needs to be done. But then also, too, if they're just trying to be that lifestyle unique brand, that they're able to do that, even though they uh, understand, you know, uh, Americans when they're traveling, what they're accustomed to when they're here in the States. And so that's also, too, what's very unique with working with the international properties. I love that you're able to put both those companies really together to create a great offering, right? Yeah, yeah. So now hospitality is tough, right? Like I see mm -hmm. hotels, hundreds of openings and jobs all over the place. Mega resorts can't fill positions, right? No. Yeah. Rates super high. Like I was talking to one, mm -hmm. uh, not the one hotel, but mm -hmm. a hotel that <laughs> raises the rates on purpose to try and slow down people booking, but they're still selling out. Oh, yeah. thousands of dollars a nights and then yeah. you have guests check in upset right because there's yeah. not enough staff to do so yeah how, what do you tell your clients about this like how how can they improve service if they don't have people there yeah so you know it's crazy too is being here in the south florida market it's very different of what we're experiencing with this um the labor market and then also too with the rates compared to say a New York market or a Colorado market or a California market, it's very different. And so, you know, I've been having a lot of people out in outer markets reaching out and being like, what are you guys doing in Miami? How are you guys still being able to get heads and beds and providing staff without your, you know, trip advisor go down? And so, you know, a lot of it I think is embracing technology 
you know, that's one positive thing uh, from if you're trying to be optimistic on this is, you know, the embracing uh, of technology of looking at certain services now that can be more instant for the guests and the guest actually wants it more instant. Yes, we want to try to have that personal touch with having a body there to being able to, you know, provide certain services. But nowadays too, the guest demand has changed. And so they're fine with, yes, scan the QR code, being able to touch and place their order uh, in uh, is, you know, now heading to, to the future. So the first thing I say is, you know, when speaking with the clients is, you know, where they're at with embracing technology. Also to not just saying, okay, we need to have the best of the highest tech items, but there's a lot of things that you can be able to do based upon your budget to then moving some of your services uh, and your employees around as well to still be able to take care of the guests. At the end of the day, it's always about that. Yeah, they need some Stephanie's that know every position, right? That's yeah. why I was able to, to survive, right? I knew every department and at least yeah. food and beverage, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, you've, you've accomplished a lot. You're doing a lot of things now. But, you know, I want you to look back to young Stephanie, 17 years old at the Ritz Kids. If she was starting today, what advice would you have for her? Go down your own path and still taking those risks uh, because you never know where it could lead to. And you may have some rerouting um, and that's okay because it's still part of your journey and you can always go back. But if you don't take the risk, how are you going to know? That's great advice. And I think that's a, a good spot to finish our chat today. That's great advice for anyone out there right now. Really take that chance. Yeah. So Stephanie, where can our listeners connect with you? What's the best place for them to find you and find out everything that's going on? Absolutely. First thing is definitely engaging on LinkedIn. So find me on LinkedIn. I'm always posting about different items going on in the hospitality industry or what we're doing here in South Florida. And then also to uh, firstratehospitality.com. And then we can be able to set up and see how we can get your property to be first rate. Oh, I love it. Well, Stephanie, I appreciate you taking this time to share your story because it's a, a fun story and I, I learned a lot today. Um, but please, guys, make sure go connect with her. And if you need her services, there's she's worked at great places, has a great background and just a great smile and great energy to be around. So, Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. Have a great one, everyone. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.